Welcome to another episode of the Lovers and Things podcast. Where your favorite couple's favorite couple talks, talks about, about the, the things, things they, they love. love. Wow. <sighs> that felt good. Good. I'm Greg. And I'm Lex. Welcome to the show, y'all. Lex <laughs> feels good. I am. I'm in bright spirits. You got yourself a matcha. I have a, a matcha. matcha in hand. You guys know I'm a matcha girl. Uh-huh. Oat milk and honey, of course. So take your sip. I want, to, I want you to walk me through the mm. flavors here. Okay, so matcha's a little bitter, right? We've got some bitter notes mm-hmm. in there. Uh-huh. A little earthy, but it's smoothed out with the warm frothed oat milk. Ooh. A hint of honey cinnamon. Honey cinnamon. What is this? Honey and cinnamon. Oh, honey and cinnamon. Turmeric. Turmeric. And a little bit of black cracked pepper on the back end for a little bite. Ooh. <laughs> oh, look at you. I don't mean to brag. That sounds fancy. I don't mean to brag, but I am a matcha connoisseur. You're a matcha you mama. Yeah, absolutely. Have you seen you whipping the whipping the little uh, thing? Yeah. The, the little whisk? Yeah. Whipping the whisk? Yeah, whipping the whisk because I like it nice and, and frothy. That's uh-huh. right. Yes, I love that for you. Thank you. So, yes, I'm indeed good spirits. But what about you, sir? What you been up to? Oh, you know, I, I've been, I'm full. My spirit is full. <laughs> your spirit is, oh, I thought you meant your stomach. Well, I'm like, I mean, we did just have dinner. That so. too. But, you know, full from Thanksgiving. My spirit is full. Right. Full from hosting, having family. Uh, right. Um, I did have a, a very triggering moment at mm. work. Mm. Um, it, you know, you <laughs> you'd be going through some stuff at work and you just get... Get shook. I got, I went through something at work. Oh, wow, safe space. Let's unpack that. So I have this. I was gifted this little succulent. Okay. A little plant, if you will. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> a little baby guy. Okay. Uh, cute little plant. I think I sent you a picture. Perhaps. It's a spiky succulent. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, I was watering it. Mm-hmm. You know, th- I have this bond with this plant. I feed it. I water it from my own water bottle. <laughs> so I take a sip. It takes a sip. <laughs> That's we are we are locked in, me and this that. baby succulent. Mm-hmm. I'm taking care of it. So like you know, I, you don't have this thing with plants. Yes, I have this. Con- I'm I have a nurturing uh, spirit. You do. You're very you're a very good plant, Daddy. I think the people should know that Greg has nurtured all the plants in our home. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. minus our two aloe plants, but that's neither here yeah, nor there. And the little ones that we were gifted. But anyway, majority <laughs> of the time, I'm a good the big plant ones. Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and while I was watering it, I got triggered to when I was a kid and, um, I had a gigapet. Okay. And the trauma of this gigapet mm-hmm. was, you know, this was like a, a rave back in the, uh, back in the day. It was, it was a And, um, we had these gigapets and then we would bring it to school. Yeah. And it would cause all types of disruption. People I are think feeding, they were banned. They were nursing, banned in my school. And to the point where they were banned. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I remember coming home at like 2.30. Sure. 2.30, 3 o'clock. Okay. And to my dismay, seeing the, the corpse of my gigapet <laughs> oh my dead. This is dark. In, in my toe. And oh my, I would yell out a shriek, a cry. Wow. That rung through the, the, the neighborhood. Wow. And I would just fall to my knees mm-hmm. and, and tears running on my face. And I would have to hit that reset button. Let's <laughs> start over. The little pin. You got to put like, pin the little in the pin back. in there. <laughs> oh, man. It was so dark. And I got yeah, triggered at work when I was watering my plant, baby. My mm-hmm. heart like mm-hmm. like really like shook in that. Wow. And uh, which brings me to a trivia moment. Oh, wow. Right into Dre- Greg's trivia. trivia. Gigapet <laughs> edition. Okay. So I've got some uh, questions for you. Go for it, babe. 
this is Gigapet themed. Okay. Um, so oh my gosh. I, I think everyone knows about Gigapets. Do you guys know about Gigapets? The little Tamagotchi sort of situations. They're like, they were, for those of you who aren't old enough to remember, um, they were these little like pocket it's, it's there's like a pocket tiny pets. pocket pet and it's like a it's kind of like you know a small calculator almost type thing like it's uh, hard to explain like it came in this little little, little egg thing that came on a keychain and there were like three very small buttons on this hand sized round thing mm-hmm. and that thing would allow you to manipulate the life of your right. pet there are different very things small. you can do you can take your it's a it's a digital pet yes very, um, that's why it's called a giga pet yeah and this was a thing that was so popular mm-hmm. you you could play with your pet because they needed to play it's for activity you can feed them. Mm-hmm. You have to clean up after them. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was another thing too. Oh, oh. yeah, they would. They would they lay would poop little all, all things. over the place. Yep, yeah, you had to pick it up. And then I remember. Oh my goodness, it's, I'm getting triggered again because oh. I would come back home when after my giga pet died. Yeah, y'all, this is we're gonna have to have a therapy session. You have to grieve it. Were, it. It made a mess everywhere. Oh my god! And, and it was dead in oh, its mess, my its own gosh. mess. That's terrible. That oh, is this something is dark. We have to unpack. This is very dark. But anyway, back to trivia. I do have a fun fact, though. Okay, what's that? I had a, no- a couple of gigapets, like a couple of iterations. Couple. See, y'all did. That's <laughs> all. <laughs> Can we acknowledge that Lex had a couple? That's neither here nor there. But the reason that is is because the first one, I don't know if you guys remember, but back in like the 90s, early 2000s, is when toys in fast food meals was at its peak. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think toys in fast food meals are as great as they were back yeah. then. I got my first either Tamagotchi or Gigapet. I think Tamagotchi was cheaper. I got it in a KFC kids meal. For free? Yes! Oh, wow. That I'm telling you, back in the day, they were handing out toys like That's an electronic. That's an electronic, and it came with my KFC meal. I remember that vividly. They they, they had to have been losing money on that. No, probably. I mean, (laughs) that's that's why KFC ain't been the same. KFC has never recovered. (laughs) They never did that again. Um, But yeah, I'm back. Yeah, back to trivia. Go for it. So Gigapets, as we've established, are a digital pet toy that Mm -hmm. were first released by Tiger Electronics. Oh. Um, in the U.S. I love that. Question number one. Sure. What year were they released? The Gigapet. <sighs> okay. 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 What year? You you know the you know the wave. You know, know what grade you're what in. Year? So you you're gonna get very close. I was close. in elementary school for okay. sure. I was at Booker Elementary okay, when we're getting, Gigapets were there. Close. Okay. So elementary school for me, we're talking ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. All right. What year? Gigapets I'm gonna say ninety-seven. Really. I'm gonna say ninety-six. I'm gonna say ninety. What is well, see, it? Let me tell you. All right, this is the thing. What? Your first guess should always be your answer. You had it. Ninety-seven. It was ninety-seven. You said ninety-six. Ah, I did. Okay, let's forget. I said ninety-six. I very much said ninety-seven. Always go with your first impression. Always go with your first you answer. You do not earn that point. You what? said ninety-six. But you love me. <laughs> <laughs> but I love you. I don't get a. I don't get a. I'm gonna give you half point. Okay, thank you. You because get half I a point. Because I did get it right a little bit. But you changed. Okay, let's move on. Stick with your gut. <laughs> All right. Question number two. Mm-hmm. So Gigapets, can you let me tell you Gigapets were ten dollars. Wow, that's pricey. Can you believe that? That's pricey back in the day. Ten dollars is pricey. I think back in the 90s, ten dollars was like thirty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and for a kid's toy, that's pricey. I'd this say. is an electronic. Can we <laughs> It's not just a, a little thing that, that this is a, a little this is a, a, a battery powered electronics. 
It was. Okay, fine. And then there, the competitor, Tamagotchi, yeah, which the, was a Japanese. That's the Tamagotchi. Yep. was $15. Tamagotchi was upmarket. It was upmarket. I agree. It was a little more elevated now that I think <laughs> about it, right? Okay. And I think that their pets. It had a bigger screen. It had a big, and I also think their pets were like better digitized. Oh. You a know? little bit of extra flair on mm-hmm. it. <laughs> okay. A little extra flair. A little okay. more design intention, if you will. Okay. So when GigaPets came out the gate, they mm-hmm. only had three versions at launch. Three okay. pets. Okay. What were those three animals? A dog, a cat. Oh. Okay. You got two. Wow. And um, <laughs> a dog, a cat. This one goes left. A bird? No, no. You want a hint? Yeah. It's in a zoo. A tiger. No, you already got a cat. What's the oh, difference between a cat and a tiger? One bigger. So what's a an uh what's come on? An elephant? Oh no. A bear? Oh boy, y'all. This is <laughs> Is it a is it a is it a, a seafaring mammal? <laughs> a monkey. It was a chimp. Okay. All right, I'll give you that. So they had three pets out the gate. Uh-huh. Uh digital doggy, compu kitty, mm-hmm. and microchip. I had the kitty. Oh yeah? Mm-hmm. I got mine later. Okay. I got mine later. You know, this is an this tells the story about us yes you were out the gate you had two right <laughs> one of them was by default by I, way of the kfc i meal. had to wait for the second release okay. with jurassic the lost world the dinosaur edition i you had, had and i got one a dinosaur, that laid eggs and that was like a year like the next year i got <gasps> that so i had to watch all y'all play in the schoolyard with y'all gregory seeing another triggering this moment is, this is therapy, <laughs> this, is therapy. <laughs> this is a therapy session but uh, I had the dinosaur, and you had the kitty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What was your second one? I feel like it was either a dog or a kitty all the same. Mm-hmm. I feel like knowing me, I probably just got another kitty. Okay, so this is the last question. This yeah. is the one of them all. Okay. To follow the digital pet theme, there was a online version of this called yes. Neopets. Yes, I loved Neopets. Were you involved in this? I was heavily, can I tell you? Yeah, yeah. I was heavily involved in Neopets. So Neopets came around my middle school era, right? Uh-huh. So I was at Booker Middle School at this point. And as you you guys may not know that my mother was an educator, right? And so when she was teaching sixth grade, when I was in sixth grade, and that's when Neopets were big. Yeah. So I vividly remember going into her classroom after school and like totally building my Neopet world, checking in on things. <laughs> you were on the computer click-clacking away? Very much so. Um, making sure the little kingdoms were together. I had multiple oh. things going on. There were games. I was very involved. I can see. And Neopets were see. cute because Neopets were like otherworldly characters. Mm. So like not cats and dogs and monkeys. Yeah. But like, you know. Like fantastical, fantastical creatures. Fantastical creatures. Wow. You were involved in this. I, I missed this. I, I wasn't. Oh I don't think gosh. it was for boys that much. You know what? I, I was too busy doing Napster stealing music. Well, I did that as well. Um <laughs> Uh, it was gender neutral, but I think you had, I think the idea of nurturing a thing online is, is more girl, yeah. gender specific girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that, that missed me in that time. However, it didn't, it, it clearly was a hit. You were, <laughs> you were captivated by this world and they have, uh, I think, think they're still online today. I think they're celebrating, they, I think this year they're celebrating their 24th anniversary. Yeah. I'm not surprised by that because I do recall during the pandemic, I looked into it. I was very bored in the pandemic, and I remember going to neopets.com to see if I could do something. It was still around. Yeah, it was still around. Did you get back in it? I didn't. I skated instead. You know, that's some pay-per-play. Yeah, it's not. Freemium. 
stuff. You know, they get you in them coins. Premium. Those games. Yeah. They'll set you up, get you cornered, and be like, all right, you can get out of this, this bind for just 99 cents. $5. Yeah, do you, nah. do you pay for video game apps like that? I do not. And when they get you in a corner? We've talked about this because you will. <laughs> And I won't. So if a game stalls me, if I can't get no further, the game just, ain't for me. You don't. <laughs> the game ain't for me. Like I'm not. I'm no longer uh-huh. invested. You know. I drop a ninety nine cent. Yeah, I ain't never. I drop a dollar. I'm get telling me out you. Out of a bind. Apple Game Center doesn't even have my credit card number. Yeah. They could never get that. Ooh, out that of me. that uh, that um, Apple Wallet comes up. That Face ID. <laughs> Got my 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 sweating face. Get me through this. <laughs> My mug Meanwhile, I don't even use my power ups on games. I, like I got I'm all very that. bare bones. It was very, it was very uh, stark. We we're, I'm, I'm, we're gonna get to this question. I promise y'all. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> but we were, we were uh, playing this one game we used to play together, and I was on like level two thousand and five hundred. Yeah. And you was on like one seventeen. Yeah. The, the poor little robot guy. Yeah, and I was like, ball blast, babe. You gotta step it up. You yeah, know, ball spend blast. Spend a little to, to, to splurge. Treat yourself. Yeah. It's so funny, guys. On these games, I don't realize that the coins I'm collecting are supposed to be used to buy bigger cannons like, and things like that. <laughs> so I'm just—I have like ten billion coins that I haven't spent on anything. And Greg's like, "What's happening? You gotta upgrade your cannons." <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Uh, well, I digress. Yes. Please. Um, question. This is to win them all. Okay. This is it. You know, I, I'm gonna. You got the half a point at the at the beginning mm-hmm. with that 97, 96 yep. flop. You got mm-hmm. the second question yep. kind of right. Two out of mm-hmm. three is good enough to I win like them all. I like this it. is the last one. This will, you know, redemption moment for you. Sure. Um, at its peak, Neopets, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at its peak in 2005. Mm, that's accurate. How, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were in that peak. I was, <laughs> was the right peak. there. Uh, how many monthly active users did it have? <sighs> at its peak in 2005, how many monthly? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you started around. It's in the millions. Yeah, okay. easy. I knew that. Around million? the world? Yeah. To win them all. 11 million users. <sighs> Worldwide, babe. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> uh, 46 million. Oh, babe. It, it's, it's 150. 150? 150 million people. Wowzers. We're logged in. Wowzers. Spending all day space bucks <laughs> to feed and take care of their uh, their Neopets. Oh, my gosh. I believe it. And, you know, now that we're talking about it, what a time to be alive. Let me just give you guys a snapshot of Alexis during that era. Mm. Very much sixth grade. Very much trying to figure her life out. Very much, you know trying to wear things from Hot Topic, but my mom wouldn't <laughs> let me. Very much into her colored converse era. Yeah. A little, starting to dabble in my goth punk phase. That lasted all of a year and a half. Mm. It was a very, a, an interesting time to be alive. And you know, there's a conversation online now about girlhood, like small moments that are so specific to being a young woman. Yeah. And I have very fond memories of that time in my life because it's so stereotypical girlhood of like your friends and friendships bracelets and you're starting to like boys mm. and the gossiping it's just so cute it's, very it's cute. a cute time yeah I have, I have a, a, a vivid visual mm-hmm. of convertible pants in my mind <laughs> 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 the ones where you can like zip off the leg yeah, and turn into le- shorts yeah 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 that's that's strong 2005 pocket right there. <laughs> strong 2005. <laughs> I've had myself pocket. a pair of three. <laughs> okay. Wow. Get you some shorts. Impressive. Two for one. 
Wow, what a moment. Look what at a us. moment. What a moment, 2005. Wow. Mm. Well, I'm curious. Do you guys have any 2005 memories, whatever stage you were in your life at that time? Let's take it back. What was 2005 like for you? Like, mm. if you had to capture it, what are two or three things that are, like, so 2005 for you? Yes, chime in. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have to get into this agenda because there's a lot to get <gasps> we into got today. got an agenda. <laughs> Um, we were hosting Thanksgiving. We were indeed hosting Thanksgiving, y'all. The last time you talked to us, the people had arrived and we were prepping for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving is is gone. Gone, gone, gone. Um, but we had a very good time. Um, had again, so much of a good time. We missed last week's episode. Yeah, that's how much of a, <laughs> that's so much of a ball we're at. time was had. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the, the coolest things that I think that we did, and it's something that was on my mother's, like, bucket list of things to do was to go to the Macy's Day Parade. And so she has watched the parade on and off for a number of years or whatever. And then she ran, I think she randomly said one day while she was here, like, we should go to the Macy's Day Parade. And we're all like, yeah, we we could do that. Sure, we're right? all here. We could we could do that. We have modes of transport. Yeah, we made it happen. We drove to Hoboken, took the path into the city, so on and so forth, and we we did it. We did it. We saw all the uh, what are those things called? Those are those floats. I no well, floats on the floats ground and balloons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so the up in the air is a balloon. Yeah. On the ground is a float. Yeah. Even though they one doesn't fl- anyway yeah, the- um <laughs> so we saw you know i just wanted to see uh pikachu That's yeah we saw pika pika wait no was pika pika there yeah he was on that like weird sled oh po- that's sled. right we saw pikachu we saw snoopy we saw the peacock we saw smokey the bear let me just say this smokey the bear was bu- <laughs> his body out I- and I ain't seen Smokey since 1997, so I was taken aback. When was the last time y'all saw Smokey? Smokey's, Smokey's ripped. Oh, my God. Mr. Steal Your Girl. He was, and Protect the Wildfire. He was shirtless, and I also don't remember him being shirtless, y'all. I don't understand. Body out. And the Green Giant. The had his Green body out Giant too. was a sculpted masterpiece. It was giving OnlyFans. It was giving that was very uncomfortable. Fans. A lot you of know, those I was covering your eyes. Like, okay. <laughs> don't get excited about Mr. Green Giant. Um, but what else did we see? We saw um, a lot of the newer stuff for the kids. So like Bluey, we saw, I recognize Bluey and some other kind of kid-focused stuff. A lot of anime yeah, some characters. Them, you know, we were on 39th Street, yes. and it starts in Central Park. Some of yes. them didn't make that trip oh, <laughs> unscathed. Yeah. By the time Some Snoopy of them were got deflated. Yeah, and they look like they've been through some battles. When you guys see the parade on TV, I'm assuming they get it. Nice and early, yeah. Because oh, that, yeah. By, the by the time, time it gets <laughs> the hit air. tree, hit power lines, yeah. and tree branches, it's a little crazy. Yeah, one of them had a hat that was like flapping and yeah. deflated, and we're yeah. like, "Oh, okay, I get it." Like maybe, <laughs> nope, nope. His hat was inflated at the beginning, and by the time it got to our area, <laughs> it, was it got punctured. I actually thought it was a cool design but, feature. You but know, you know, you make your way down. Fifth Ave mm-hmm. from the from Central Park, and don't tell me you're not gonna get punctured. Oh, that's a that's quite and, a bit. And scathed a bit. I think you know <laughs> it's a little bit of a walk, um, but we had a good time. I think, yeah. and we got there at a decent time. I think lessons learned. We would definitely go a little bit earlier because we got there at like what seven seven, <laughs> and y'all earlier? that was too late. It wasn't. I thought it was a little too late because we didn't get a really good, like, seat. Like, people had gotten there early and had their chairs out and were sitting, and it was like a moment. They were right up against the action. Mm -hmm. We were, like, five rows away from the street. 
So like we could see because obviously the balloons are huge, yeah. but we couldn't like see the little boom cat cat of the dancers. Okay. We couldn't see the bands. Like yeah. I wanted to see more of that. Well, if you if you if you try to do that again and you're uh, showing up earlier, mm-hmm. um, you're gonna have to. Um, to I'm gonna have to catch up with y'all because I'm not gonna <laughs> make it. Fine, you can meet us there. But it was fun. My mom, my mom, my dad, my brother, uh, future brother-in-law, sister, and Gregory, we all were there. And it was a very good time. And might I say, mm-hmm. I think there's a spirit of camaraderie around the Thanksgiving Day Parade because yeah. everybody was very chatty with us. But then again, I think I, I give chatty, warm, welcoming energy. So yeah. perhaps that's it. But like everybody around us was just like chatting with us Engaged the entire time. with us. <laughs> Which I thought was cute. Yeah. So, yeah, the Thanksgiving Day Parade, a very good vibe. Uh, once we were done with that, we grabbed some pizza and then headed on back oh, into Jersey. Yeah. You Artichoke pizza, you introduced me to that. Yeah, very delicious. Classic artichoke. It was fantastic. Um, it was delicious. If you guys are ever in the city, uh, get a, if you, you're around <laughs> an artichoke pizza, get an artichoke pizza, like mm-hmm. the, the artichoke pizza. It's so delicious. It's like creamy and heavy and thick. I don't think my parents liked it so much because it's such a like a uh, mm-hmm. like a like a full thing. Yeah. Um. I I love artichoke, but yeah, it was so fun to do something different for the holidays and um make new Thanksgiving memories. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing that was like a new fun memory from us for us was like listening to new music over the holiday. Yeah. A little bit because you know the internet was a swirl with all things Andre three thousand. Oh yes, the Andre Three Thousand album. Yeah, and uh, people were there was mixed. Everyone's well, mostly people were disappointed because there weren't no bars, <laughs> <laughs> right? And I and I think I was I would say I was in that camp as well. Yeah, I was too initially. Yeah, and he mentioned that you know he feels like in his big age mm-hmm. he ain't got nothing to rap about. Yeah, which I'm like. Okay, I guess you know. Ultimately, as the artist, if you're not feeling, it, you're not feeling. It. You're not feeling it. You know, you, you don't want to force something because that's when it really shows. Yeah. But I think there's something to be said about rapping in your old age. People do it well. Look yeah. at Jay Z's uh four 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 album. Yeah, I think you can rap in your old age. I think maybe what he was implying is that that nothing inspires him to do so in his life, right? Yeah. I think like rap, like any art, you have to be inspired to do it. Um, I mean, you can do it, but like good work comes out of inspiration. And if he's not inspired, if his day-to-day isn't inspiring him to rap, please don't do it. Because I need three stacks to forever be one of the best rappers we've ever seen. Uh In order for that to be maintained, he must not mess up his reputation. Yeah, don't don't taint it. Don't taint it. (laughs) So I'm okay with it. Right. And I guess, you know, like to your point, well, his life reflects his flute vibes. Yeah. So, hey, let's, let's do it. It's giving very much... Amazon retreat, it's giving ayahuasca, it's mm-hmm. giving I've transcended to another plane. Yeah. And I, I get that for him. It's giving living his best him. life. Living his yeah. best life. Because um you can see through you could uh, even the interviews that he did, yeah. um, just like he looked so like content. Mm-hmm. He was so charming. Mm-hmm. He was funny. Yeah. Uh he had good charisma, mm-hmm. and I'm like, he's you know, that's time well spent. You know, he's got the grays coming in. He looks so yeah, like settled. so settled, and mm-hmm. I and I and I love that for him. Yeah, I love the idea of people 
becoming more grounded and peaceful as they mature in life. And honestly, I think that's the way life is supposed to be. I think every decade or every era of your life serves a lesson. And I truly believe, and I've said it on this podcast before, that a life well spent is a life where you get to reinvent yourself over and over again. Like you get to do and explore different parts of your personality because we're also multifaceted. And so I think seeing him in this era, it makes sense. Like, I'm glad he's doing it. He looks, like you said, happy and whole. And ain't that what you wish for people at that age? Like, yeah. Not that he's old. That's not what I'm implying. But like... At this point in his life, At yeah. this point in his life. To do what he wants. To do what the heck he wants. I love that. And to be joyful and peaceful while doing it. Mm-hmm. I wish that for us as well. I, wish I, I think we've been doing that, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just, don't, scroll through, don't scroll too deep on our Instagram. You'll see some past lives... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Greg was doing what? Lex was, what? That is such an interesting you have a, topic. Yeah, you even have a YouTube channel where you're oh doing things. Oh my gosh. Listen, so this is a fun story. So I was um, recently, just this weekend, on a work trip with my coworkers. Mm-hmm. And so in all of my past lives at work, I try my best to avoid um, having coworkers follow me on Instagram yeah. only because. It's complicated. I have I have lived a life, right? <laughs> and so and this is not and it's nothing for me to be ashamed of, right? Like I have been a content creator in some aspect my entire internet life. Yeah. I've never just been a person who posts pictures and go. Uh-huh. I've been talking to y'all for a very long time. And so for some people that's kind of hard to grasp, I think. Yeah, the idea they, of doing that. Yeah. yeah, because they I am I am one way when I'm at work. Um mm-hmm. but anyway, so <laughs> my coworkers. Um, while we were on this trip, she liked, you know, we took a photo. She wanted to put on her story. She's just like, oh, I'll tag you. Mm. And I just like out of habit was like, oh, yeah, I'm the lexicon. And then yeah. I did it and I was like, the uh. the the, uh, the floodgates are open. <laughs> I'm like, no. And then she's like, oh, my gosh, your page. Oh, these photos. And I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. How and, could I forget my golden rule? And the reality of it, they don't care. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> like these, these it's people don't care. But it's more for me yeah. than it is for them. Yeah, because I overthink it too. Because yeah. I've had this like men's fashion blog past, this clothing company past. I had, I, we all had a past. Mm-hmm. We tried a lot of things um, yeah. in a very public manner. Mm-hmm. And um, no one, they don't. I don't think they care. But yeah. I, I get in my head about it. Yeah, more I than got they, in my head about would. it too. But then I was like, you know what? Between you and my boss, who was with on the trip with me, they both ended up following me, and it is what it is. It is what it is, y'all. <laughs> but yes, but, multiple but yeah, this, lives. Yeah, and this three stack album. I'm gonna tell you one thing. It's a good background album. Mm-hmm. We were uh, making breakfast. I was making challah French toast. Oh my gosh! Challah French toast. Which I'm, I'm, I gotta give y'all the recipe, y'all. I don't understand how Greg makes such good French toast. It's like ungodly. It's the challah. <laughs> It's the holler <laughs> bread. The so uh, I was making the holler fresh toast. Very I had the good. music on. It was a vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, the scent of the the, the cooked butter. Oh, it just wow. fills the air. The cinnamon kind of ar- aromatics is popping. You got, wow. And, and our, our um, brother, soon-to-be brother-in-law, yes. uh, brought this 100% pure maple, maple syrup from the tree. <gasps> from the tree? <laughs> Because, you know, I was with the <laughs> sticky tacky stuff. The, you know, the, uh, the Mrs. The, Buttersworth. The Mrs. Buttersworth. <laughs> <laughs> they came in, they legally came and put the word maple on it. <laughs> and they're just like, <laughs> syrup. syrup. <laughs> That's what I'm used to. And he's like, no, 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 we don't do that. Get this maple syrup, 100% maple. Oh, gosh. And that was eye opening. But this Hall of French toast, y'all, if, if y'all don't know anything about this, if 
the regular French toast recipe that you normally do yep. with the eggs, the milk, the cinnamon, the nutmeg. Mm-hmm. But the crucial ingredient is that bread. Mm-hmm. I know sometimes people use sourdough. Sometimes people use brioche. We've done brioche. We've done brioche. But yes. that hollow bread comes through. And if you haven't tried it, get into it. Or something about the levity of it all. Yeah, but I digress. No, it's fine. Um, but yeah, that that was a great album to play in the background. Yeah, and I, I liked it. And it really was background music. Like, it's such a vibe that it's mm-hmm. just like, it's playing in the background and you don't even realize it. There were a couple moments where I was like, ooh. Yeah, it sounds hey, good, right? Hey, it sounds really hey. good. Yeah, there are some moments where yeah. I was excited about it. But um, what I do hope for this album for him, though, and like just like, the music space in general. I hope it opens the door to more creative art forms um, mm-hmm. because one of the more controversial things that came out of it was that it was already nominated for, as like a rap out al- or categorized <laughs> oh as a rap album. Just because it's Andre 3000. Just because it's Andre 3000 and he's a, a black man and was a rapper. I think that there's a lot of conversation around like, you know, mm. the politics of music and labeling. Yeah, and R&B. I, yeah, it, R&B is like where you put your black artists. Pop is where you put yeah. your, your, your white artists. Traditionally, mm. right, there's some crossovers. But like, I like the idea that he created something that is so alternative and so just like off the wall. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, he is an artist and should not be boxed or labeled. Yeah, and put him in a ranking accordingly in, yeah. that, in that field. He's not, that he's that's not a rap. It's not a rap album. (laughs) Yeah, and you see that, like, you know, we listen to all manner of black artists. And, like, I think of, like, a Moses Sumney, Mm -hmm. even, like, some cases of Miguel. It's like, are they really R&B? No. You know? And you know what? I think the Grammys now have a new category. There's R&B, and I also think there's alternative R&B or something Yeah, I think that's what it's called, alternative R&B. Yeah, there's another category now, which I like. Yeah, but mm, even that, it's like. I don't know. I, I got to see the nominees. Yeah. If the nominees of alternative R&B are just the black people that sound like uh-huh. <laughs> the uh, their white counterparts, yep. um, I think that's now you're creating a little buckets to separate. Um, but anyway, no, but I, 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 that, I, don't, I don't know much about the politics behind that or the details. That but, brought me to another point, though, that's not mm-hmm. on our agenda. Yeah. But the Grammy nominations have been released. Really? Yeah. 2024? They have. And I just want, let's just briefly look at the alternative R&B it's that, is that what it's called? Alternative R&B, really? We're going to see new artist, producer of the year, songwriter of the year. Give me a moment, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, alternative R&B. I wonder who's, who's uh, alternative on Alternative music, there. R&B, traditional R&B. Okay, gotcha. Oh, There's okay. R&B performance, traditional R&B. R&B song, progressive R&B. Progressive, okay. Do they have uh, nominees on there? They do. So progressive R&B album of the year nomination. Um, Since I Have a Lover by Six Six Black. I don't know who oh, that yeah. is. We've listened to it. It's called Black. Six like L-A-C-K. Oh, yeah. It was just Black. Yeah, we Black. We've listened to this stuff. We have? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I and love even, it. But honestly, I'd call him regular R&B. Yeah, you think so? It's kind of like Miguel a bit. Okay. Like, kind of like Miguel. Fair enough. Um, it's next, a vibe. Is it? People, I'm, I'm pretty sure people know about black. It's okay. So I'm going to have to re-familiarize myself. Yeah. Um, next is the Love Album Off the Grid by Diddy. Oh, boy. We're just going to move on. All right. Um, next is Nova by Terrence Martin and James Fauntleroy. 
Terrence Martin. Why do I think Terrence Howard? <laughs> yeah. Whenever I hear Terrence, it's, it's Terrence always Howard. like I it's don't. It's a hustle and, was it hustle and flow? You very much so with the perm. Um, Did you hear the story about hustle and flow? About like how much he didn't get paid? He didn't get paid anything for that role. And he was that movie. Problematic. Oh, we'll deep dive in Yeah, because they, they gave credit to the songs mm-hmm. as, what's his character's name? I don't remember the character's name. Uh... I forgot his character. Debo? <laughs> no. no. Okay, wrong, wrong movie. movie. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Okay, Some, the character's name. Yes. They, they which is a, a, whatever the production company, mm-hmm. like Universal or whatever, MGM, mm-hmm. who owned the rights of. That's so shady. <sighs> Very shady. I think Three Six Mafia actually won the Grammy for that song. Hmm. Um, but yes. Who else is on there? Uh, Janelle Monet for The Age of Pleasure. Can I just say that when I did my my Apple Wrapped, that was the most played album of the year for yeah. me, The Age of Pleasure. I freaking love that album. It's good. And it is progressive R&B. It is not at okay. all a traditional R&B album. And then SOS by SZA, which is obviously not a normal R&B album. So what is traditional R&B? Let me answer that for you. Because I'm like, this all, to me, <laughs> like SZA, I, I would consider that R&B. Um, oh, this is, you'll understand when you okay. see this. Um, Girls' Night Out by Babyface, traditional R&B. Okay. Babyface is a traditional okay. R&B artist. Um, what I Didn't Tell You by Coco Jones. Coco Jones is very much mm-hmm. a traditional, straightforward R&B girl. I don't know Emily King, but Emily King is on here for special occasion. Okay. Jaguar 2 by Victoria Monet, very much a traditional R&B Got album. It. Yeah. Very much. And then last but not least, Clear 2, Soft Life EP by Summer Walker. Summer Walker also is, to me, a very traditional R&B artist. Yeah. How do you feel about Soft Life? Uh, soft Life. Soft Life. Soft Life. Is that a thing? Is that a real thing? Or is it just it's, like it's, giving a name to something that's already been there? I think it's giving a name to something that's already been there, but I think sometimes defining things is important for people, so fair. Okay. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. To be fair, I've never been someone who's who's had to struggle much. I'm gonna be completely <laughs> honest. Like, I'm be honest. Okay, like, yeah. I've never not felt like I've been in my gr- grind seasons of sure, my life. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think I've ever been a, a woman enjoyed your life. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had to to do the most or act outside of because soft life really speaks to like being in your feminine bag and being like soft peaceful and, and like enjoying and the just, softness of life. Yeah, and I don't think I've ever not done that. Mm-hmm. Um, Self care. I understand how lucky. Well, I am to have that narrative, though. Okay. I understand for some women that's not the yeah. case. It's kind of like um, the gentleman era, I guess, when there was like a lot of push about being gentlemanly, being dapper and all mm-hmm. that. Guys were already doing it. Mm-hmm. It just gave it a name and created like some enthusiasm around it and yeah. some uh, like a niche for people to talk about it and share ideas, I guess. Yeah. You know, because like you said, it's good to name things mm-hmm. to, to give it room. Yeah. Um, anyway, we saw the Beyonce Renaissance film. Speaking of not soft life. <laughs> Beyonce's not soft life? Well, no. Beyonce yeah, it, is. Yeah, Beyonce's a bit aggressive in, in, uh, in the tenacity of her. Yeah. Her music really inspires a lot of like Go get goal it and doing the most and like winning and mm-hmm. conquering. It, it's very empowering. It her is music. empowering. Yeah. So we saw the Renaissance uh, tour movie. The film? Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Talk about the setup. Talk well, talk about our setup. So oh, we left oh. the house. We left the house Please. literally in our 
not pajamas, but like, you know, elevated pajamas. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Like, My mother um, had gifted me this beautiful sort of knit lounge set uh-huh. that has like a collar. So it gives oh, yeah. presentability. Uh-huh. It's from Aerie. I may link. I had some loose linen pants. <laughs> I did my nighttime skincare <laughs> routine. Hoodie. Oh, yeah. You were you were shiny. <laughs> I had a full nighttime skincare routine and a half up, half down hairstyle, y'all. Mm-hmm. Like I was not coming to play. Uh, and we went to the theater with the reclination, y'all. We sure did. Just I the only do reclination. Seats. Did you use the heated and cooled function? Of course did I you? did. <laughs> what do you mean? I love to be warm and snugly. Uh, I, um, I I was at a mid-recline. Oh, okay. Because I was eating. <laughs> <laughs> we left out the fact that we got food. A lot of food. A lot of food. A pizza. Uh, I was, I was, we got so much wings. food, I was thinking about how am I going to get it in the theater. <laughs> So how am I gonna carry this stuff? And then Greg says, as we're waiting for the food, I don't think we got enough. And he was joking, but I'm like, yeah, you know what? I was thinking about getting an extra side of fries. Yeah, I was joking. You were serious. You were dead so serious. serious I was like, I was babe, like, that was a joke. And I was like, oh my god, I'm so glad you said something because I don't think we'll have enough either. And I just looked at you and were like, oh my god. <laughs> But you had like, we had wings, oh, fries, pizza fries, pop, a, pop, a bucket of popcorn. A of bucket course. of popcorn and two medium soft drinks. Yeah, you was about to hit us with a small. I was like, babe, what are you doing? <laughs> I was trying get to be respectable. Because I'm not about to leave this theater 30 minutes in to get yeah. a refill. I'm glad we got the mediums. Um, so I didn't want to recline all the way. Yeah. You know, you're drinking, you recline. <laughs> Why that, is it such a giggly episode? That uh, Sprite go down the wrong pipe. Yeah. You start coughing it with these people, Beyonce music. No, digestion is important. You know, I don't mess with the beehive, y'all. <laughs> um, but can I just say, once we got situated here real, real good, uh-huh. and like the minute the giddy got 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 started mm. in the beginning, I audibly said no less than five minutes into the program, my God. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember literally saying, my God. This was something else. Beyonce. This was something else. I get it. I get it too. I get it. And not that I didn't get it before. You, un- you like, get it. Like I, a fan. You are, you are aware of the fandom. Yeah. But the execution. Oh, that's crazy. The talent, talent. The talent. Skill. And you know, if you watch Beyonce's Homecoming documentary, which is on Netflix, that is in a very similar style in which she's taking you through her creative process mm-hmm. to a large show. That one was Coachella. Yeah. A lot of black history ingrained in that. A lot of coming to whatever. She had just had her two twins. So that was part of the narrative. So this is in a, a similar style. Mm. But I think this one was different in that Beyonce really didn't take us through. Because with Homecoming, it was very much like practice, practice. Watch me practice. Oh, her, I'm preparing. Yeah. I'm preparing. Mm-hmm. I got to lose this weight. I got to look good. I'm pushing myself. This one was very much... You know, this is my creative process. This is six years in the making, four years in the making for this this um this tour. Look at all the people that were involved. Mm-hmm. Um, the you organization, know, yeah, the organization, and then it was it was a lot of that as opposed to more of her. Right. I think like we didn't see her practicing a lot, but I guess that also has largely to do with apparently she had a knee injury. Yeah, they touched on that a bit on the, the end t- of film. Exactly. So I think that was a thing, but it was very much the world around her. Mm-hmm. All the all her. the <laughs> people that played important roles mm-hmm. in all this, and mm-hmm. it, you know, they really set the tone at the beginning. Where I was like, look, mm-hmm. this big old screen you see, yeah. People have put, built this screen bit by bit mm-hmm. by, hand by hand to create this amazing panel. Mm-hmm. And then you're really, now you start to look at the 
performance in a concert in a different yeah. perspective of like, let me acknowledge everything that's going on. Yep, not just her. Yeah, and it, it and you just see excellence on every single aspect yeah. of this performance, mm-hmm. from the rigging, the fixturing, the lighting, the the pyrotechnics. Mm-hmm. The dancers were, the the dancers. You would think the dancers, it was their show. Yeah, the and dancers, not in like a, they were taking over, but and they were, delivering, they were delivering, and they were like connecting with you as a as the viewer. It was it was crazy. The to your point, those dancers, she had a, such a diverse group of dancers as well, my yeah. add. Like, she did a really good job. Because if you know Beyonce, traditionally she has her, like, girl crew behind her. And then she'll usually do less twins as, you know, those two twin guys that dance with her. But it's usually an all-female situation. Mm. This is the first time in a long time that we've seen Beyonce with a mixed cast of both yeah. female and male representation. Um, and it was good to see. I, they were listen, boom, boom, cat to one and two and three and pop just, and serve the face in one and two. And all with great. a smile, always smiling. What a, just they was working. You they didn't look out of breath, they, which was impressive. <laughs> they was working, and I follow a couple of those dancers and I have for a couple of years. And I behind the scenes yeah. saw them like hinting towards them being on the tour and then mm-hmm. sharing photos of when they were on the tour. So to see them on the big screen as well, I was and like, oh, delivering. that's dope. Yeah, right. like, that's cool. And they had this amazing detail. I mean, spoiler alert, I guess. Oh, but sorry. Y'all got to see this. <laughs> but Go see it. We can't tell you all that happened anyway. We well, I'm going to say one thing. Mm-hmm. The wardrobe changes mm-hmm. and how they, how they incorporated the wardrobe changes into the film. Noteworthy. Noteworthy. So, like, there would be the same scene from different cities. And y'all know she was serving uh-huh. looks because Fashion Bomb Daily was giving us every look every time yeah. she went on that stage. All of the looks would, like, sequence through. Mm-hmm. And can I just say, this is, uh, this goes without saying, but Beyonce is gorgeous. Uh-huh. Beyonce is gorgeous. And it's y'all, not You just... guys hear it? Groundbreaking news. <laughs> Groundbreaking news. discovers that Beyonce is gorgeous. Beyonce is gorgeous. (laughs) And it's not even in like an otherworldly, she's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen type Mm -hmm. thing. It's not that. It's her confidence. Like her confidence makes her... like her stage presence. Yes. Like she's bigger than life. Yes. When she's performing. And they do... You know, I I got like little aspects of of, uh, choreography... Intentional choreography where they have the dancers stand behind a, yep. bit, a few steps back, mm-hmm. and then she looks so much taller than yeah. them, yeah. which also makes her look like an otherworldly figure. Mm-hmm. And you know, when they have these long shots, telephoto, everything is flat and compressed. Yeah. So she literally looks like a, a, a entity. Yeah. <laughs> like towering above over the, the the other dancers, and that's a a really cool effect. Yeah. The the immersion the mix between the cinematography mm-hmm. the choreography mm-hmm. and her presence mm-hmm. was so perfect like yeah. the way they would rotate between that and like you're saying you, her charisma crazy her her uh it, it you know i i never was a really like a beyonce fan like sure, that sure. but i became a fan <laughs> yeah. in that theater as I was eating those wings. Yeah, as I was eating those wings. Yeah, same. I think, you know, I've followed Beyonce her entire career. Um, I'm one of those people. You know, there are a bunch of us who just happened to be around for that first album of Destiny's yeah. Child. You listen and to we, all her music. Yeah, you, you like, like appreciate a, it. But I, yeah. I know who she is. I respect her. I purchase her albums, all that kind of stuff. But I've never stand Beyonce. I stand a little bit in that theater. I did. Yeah. Because the minute, and you know, the moment was for me. 
the the clam mo- spoiler alert there's a clam moment chowder, where like clam. this pearl opens up oh. and she's do- oh yeah, yeah when i tell you beyonce is sir she is just dripping sex uh-huh. and confidence and charisma and come hitherness yeah in a way that only a professional can do Mm-hmm. All while singing live, singing into a microphone, like the we're talking to the microphone. The mic was. I got to sip water every five minutes. I'm, you know, I've got the humidity at the right levels for me, and she's in an <laughs> arena. She's in an arena in like Minnesota. Just me, 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 me. Just singing. Wow, amazing! What amazing. a queen! And you know, it's 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 inspiring. And it there is. are many moments. And you know, sometimes in life, when you feel goosebumps, like legitimate goosebumps. Yeah, you have to sit in that moment. You do, and acknowledge like. You're having a physical response to the greatness that you're witnessing. Yep. A few few goosebumps moments. I did too. A few. There Real were a goosebumps. couple. Yeah, there were a couple moments where again I audibly said, "My God!" I think at the so beginning impre- scene, excellence. my mouth was agape. I was like, "What is ha- What is happening?" In- inspiring <laughs> to see someone a master at their craft. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the lesson that I took from that because you know Beyonce be teaching the girls. Um, but the lesson that I took from that is that, you know, <laughs> Beyonce is good at one thing. Mm-hmm. She is, well, two. She's good at singing and she's good at turning that, the, those vocalities. She's a vocalist who also performs. That and is her bag. With people, yeah. That her is her bag. Beyonce isn't an actress as much as she tries. Beyonce is not a public speaker. Mm-hmm. We'll never see her talk. Beyonce is is I'm beyond y'all gonna hate me for this. Beyonce ain't nobody's fashion icon. She yeah, ain't nobody's designer. A little mid. She's a little you know. But what Beyonce does good good is that singing and that performing, honey. Performance. And that is in and you see throughout that documentary and you have in any other space that she talks about her life. But she has literally honed this craft her entire life. Like right. so when you think about things and you see people's success. Um, you have to realize that, like, she her entire life was dedicated. Her entire life prepared yeah, her for that. Yeah, they were that. showing her as like super young. Yeah, her entire life prepared her for that. Performing and the home videos of her practicing yeah. and performing forever. forever. Her, yeah, dedicated her her entire living being into this. Yeah, so it's like when we are taking things on and we're thinking about goals and. I think for me in particular, social media has a really nasty way of making you think like, feel like you're missing out or something or you're mm-hmm. behind or you should be somewhere or yeah. whatever. You have to realize that like, there's a lot of work that goes into anything that is deemed successful by the by the world standards, yeah. right? It takes work. So like- you only see the results. You only see the results. So it's like, you know, focusing on your own lane and, and respecting your own gifts and talents and honing that craft is a an opportunity we all have, mm. and it's like to you dive know in. to dive in and do what you gonna do well. Yeah, you know what I mean. You ain't gonna be Beyonce because only Beyonce can be Beyonce. Right, but you can be you. The Beyonce of what whatever it is you're doing. Exactly. Beyonce of motherhood. Yep. Beyonce of being a good public servant. That's right. The Beyonce of uh, the DMV. That's right. If you're working at the DMV. Period. Beyonce, what you do, and it's it's the whole thing is what you're getting at is like it was an inspiration to watch that it was and like and one thing i took away from that is her ability to connect and make people feel seen Mm -hmm. like all those they would pan to the audience every now and then Mm -hmm. and you see those people's enthusiasm they feel seen they Mm -hmm. feel like the star yeah they were dressed up for this concert that's right they this is their moment of celebration Mm -hmm. and it was so timely too Mm -hmm. after the panorama 
Yeah, a lot of hurt that album during that time. Yeah, uh, it's like a a, a renaissance, Mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah, Um, it's very it was very timely, and it was a message people needed, Mm -hmm. which is like it's just Chef's Kiss perfection. It It is, and not for nothing, but Renaissance is my favorite Beyonce album. I've told Greg this, but I've never been able to listen to a Beyonce album front to back. There are four three or four singles on every album that I'll write out with, but I can't really do front-to-back Beyonce albums mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Renaissance, I have to play front-to-back. That's a front-to-back, yeah. You have to play it front-to-back. And it's like, good. It's good, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, we we put that Marshall up. Yeah. You know, put that bass at about 9.5. And <laughs> 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 then the whole house is just like trembling. Yeah. It's, it's great. Yeah, and being in a the theater listening to music too oh was a great thing. God, wasn't that you know? fun? Yeah, although I could have done with a little bit less TED Talk. Oh, yeah, yeah let's was, talk about it, that. It was a real little bit br- like a little brief. bit of moments of like, you know, you get hype. Yeah, and then, right. you know, you 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 know you, you start to get the flow going. And yeah. she's like, well, back when I was 11. And I'm like, look, and Beyonce, I, and we I love you. I fell off this bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> Beyonce, we love you and everything, girl. But like, we already done said you ain't nobody public speaker. We just want to see you perform, <laughs> says. Yeah. I get it. You're a genius, and we, you want us to know that you are real crafted, uh-huh. and we respect it. But can you get back to the boom cat cat? Yeah, maybe made them a little shorter. Yeah, like we don't need. Because you could see the the, the audience <laughs> would get hype, and people would get up and dance yeah, in the theater yeah, yeah. and sing and clap, and then it would be like boom. <laughs> like all the energy gets pulled out. Then the all room. of a sudden, we're looking at your like, your knee in surgery. My knee. No, ma'am. They had to they had to pull fluid out of my ma'am, knee. If you don't get back to to energy. Yeah. I'm trying to. I'm trying to hear that. Sofa. What's that? The church girl song. Church girl. Don't, well, let me not. Let's not. Let's just let the people watch because we about We'll to, let it go. Yeah, we'll let it go because we could talk about this all day. It's changed our lives. Yeah. Um. Have you seen it? Is the question. Have you seen it? Did have you go to the concert? I know a couple people in my circle went live yeah. and saw the movie. Yeah. Let us know what you think. Did it? Did you see new things watching it? Ooh, on that's the film good. that you didn't see in in person. I love that. We want to know. So another thing that has recently happened is I have taken on um, an obsession with, against my will, mm-hmm. an obsession with the Gilded Age on Max. Yeah. So you, while we were hosting, you were helping your sister with her hair. As I do. And this is a, you're a captive. And this was a moment <sighs> where she was like, you want to watch Gilded Age? And, and that's sure. when I was like, let me go downstairs. <laughs> So listen, y'all, that's exactly how it happened. My sister is a a huge fan of period dramas, like always has been. It's like her thing. My grandma's into it too. My mom fell into it. It's like a whole thing. But I've just never been able to do it. It's not been my vibe. I just, something about it, eh, not really my thing. Yeah. But I was twisting up my sister's hair and I, you know, I had a couple hours to, to spare. Um, child, she put on the Gilded Age, and that was it. Like, I'm so obsessed with that You're, show. Yeah, you got hooked. I'm so obsessed with that show. It is so good. And I think um, for me, because I'm a person who respects, like, history and real-life storytelling, that's why mm-hmm. I like documentaries and things so much, I think the real-life history that is woven into the show is what I like most about it. Yeah, because they're, like, saying, like, familiar figures and they're yes. referencing moments in history. Absolutely. So if you guys aren't aware, The Gilded Age is the name of the show, but The Gilded Age actually describes a um, a very short time in American history. Actually, the term The Gilded Age was coined by um, 
uh, American author Mark Twain, and it's used to describe this period of time between 1877 and 1900 in mm-hmm. which the country experienced this huge boom of industrialization, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and so in that short 23-year amount of time, a lot of the bigger businesses and the bigger industries um, that we know today that really, um, you know, supported the American economy were born in that time. So we're talking yeah. steel, we're talking railroads, we're talking large banking. Mm-hmm. All of those things were born during the Gilded Age. And so what came out of this era were not only these these family names that we know today, uh, the Rockefellers, the Vanderbilts, the Chase, Astors, yeah. the, the um, J.P. JP Morgan. Morgan. Yeah. Um, the Roosevelts, the Whitney's, all of those families were born out of this economic boom. Um, uh, but also, um, this sort of uh, culture shift happened yeah. also at that time kind as like well. Like a, a def- an attempt, I would say, to define a, a class structure. Yes, in ex- America, exactly. You know, this Be- is what seventeen seventy six to eighteen seventy six. One hundred years of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, America was mostly and i think you're about to get into this yeah. but america was mostly small communities that were the the economies were very localized very and, localized and, and then farmers would you know go to a, a local market and mm-hmm. then and then they would buy and sell goods with local people mm-hmm. you needed some shoes mm-hmm. you get to go to your neighborhood cobbler so on yes. and so forth right mm-hmm. Is that yeah. kind of what was happening yes very much before so before then yeah before then so um, very segregated, I don't want to say segregated, but segmented in that yeah, way communities the were. Yeah. Um, but um also a part of that history is the fact that there was like your your lower middle class and there was your your reach, like your really um sort of high society individuals. Mm-hmm. And so those individuals at that time, prior to the Gilded Age, were actually from um, the, the initial European Im- immigrants who came over to the United States with money and established families here, right? Okay. So it was very so much European, rich. yeah, European money that transferred over to the United States, considered old money. So a lot of Dutch, a lot of French, um, and obviously British individuals were the ones that kind of held that moniker for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Well, with the um, <clears throat> the opening of the industrialization age, it provided a unique opportunity for the working person in the United States to buy into an industry and then become a nouveau riche individual mm-hmm. where they come into large sums of money very quickly, okay, right? Like start a metal refinery. Exactly. So again, steel, J.P. Morgan with banking by way of his father, the Vanderbilts, I think they were in steel. Mm-hmm. Like things like that were sort of happening, right? <clears throat> and so there was... Uh, a little bit of tension between traditional high society, which was old money, and this new money of people who were, like, grossly rich. Like, this is considered one of the most excessive times mm. um, in Americans' um, top 1% in terms of lifestyle. Like, the sheer amount of money that these people had was yeah. absolutely gross. It was out like, of control. It was out of control. And so um, the Gilded Age of the show, to go back to that, talks follows this story of this family called the Russells. They are um, characterized after the Vanderbilts and how their new money is in competition with the old money of mm. the century, right? Um, or of the of the era. And what makes it interesting is you guys know that we live close to New York. And so, you know, some of the places that they are referencing are places that still exist today. Yeah. Um, the Empire State Building sits upon where one of the mansions stood, mm. one of these families at one point. 
Um, like but the Pennsylvania I, Station. Yeah, Penn Pennsylvania Station. Pennsylvania Railroad Company. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of history there. Park Ave and and even, um, what's it called? The park. Like Fifth Ave or Central Park? Central Park. Yeah. Central Park was a conversation mm-hmm. around then. Like That was back when like that part of New York City was like... Um, the rich people would move to mm-hmm. and have these massive homes massive along Fifth Ave mm-hmm. and along Madison Ave and all along exactly. all these major avenue facing homes. Exactly. Humongous. Yeah. They would take up like five about, blocks, three yeah. blocks. In fact, the Vanderbilt home, well, the Vanderbilts had multiple homes, but mm-hmm. um, in fact, like a big part of Fifth Ave, from what I understand, have Vanderbilt mansions back to back yeah. to back. Yeah. Um, and it's so interesting to see because it's not that anymore. They've no. chopped all that stuff up into it's tiny gone. bits. Yeah. Into like smaller, <laughs> uber expensive homes. Right. Into that area. So mm-hmm. to think they had that entire area mm-hmm. uh, yeah. for one home. Exactly. One it's, of the... Such an Amer- interesting part of New York history. Yeah. The excessiveness of it all. And I think... Um, one of the the youngest Vanderbilts, Alva, I think Avla Vanderbilt and her husband, um, actually had one of the most uh, architecturally interesting homes that was fashioned after a French chateau, and it took up an entire New York City block. So, like, <laughs> an, an entire New York yeah. City block was a home <laughs> for people. That's insane. And they just, but that's how much money. Yeah. And we're not talking, you know, uh, inflation aside. <laughs> These people were spending an exorbitant amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also in that era, right, the 1% was truly the 1% and everyone who fell below that really did fall below yeah. that. There was no middle class. So either you had tons of money or you had none at all. Or you were in poverty. Yeah, or you and were I in think, poverty. I think we were, when you, when you were doing your research on this topic, I think I heard something about the uh, the burgeoning of a poverty class in mm-hmm. America, where that was like a, a new concept. Yeah. And that was super, not a new concept, but like a, a growing class mm-hmm. of people yeah. that were considered in, impoverished. Yeah. People because of the, the severe imbalance mm-hmm. of the uh, effects of industrialization. Yep. And it's working class. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's very jarring. And that's one of the criticisms of mm-hmm. the industrialization era. Yeah, was how, how it affected so many people. And I think <clears throat> coming out of that, the people who came out who fared the best were individuals who had um, businesses that employed, right? Mm-hmm. So if you had steel uh, mills and things like that where people Factories could work. And, and yeah, yeah, you know, like people fared, you fared better in history if you had that sort of, um, business going on. But anyway, one of the most interesting things to come out of my obsession with the Gilded Age yeah. was the design of these homes. Mm-hmm. I'm extremely taken with it because to me, it is gaudy AF. Like yeah. it is overabundance. It is just detail on detail and fabric on fabric. Yeah. Ornate. Ornate. Highly uh, ornamental. Decorated, heavy fabrics, like just the Victorian era look. Very yeah. much inspired by the Victorian Some era. Some gothic aspects to it, yeah. Yep, all of that, all of that French Baroque as well. Um, and it's so interesting to me because it's the opposite of anything that I would ever want in my home today. Like yeah. I would itch if I ever walked into a home like that because it just feels it feels vintage, and it is it feels old. It feels yeah. old in in a lot of ways, but. 
I think that there are some um, general sort of rules that came along with Gilded Age Victorian era design that I think are super interesting Mm -hmm. that could apply to your home design if that's like your jam. You know what I mean? Yeah. The more you know, the more tools you got to work with. Exactly. There were a couple of design um, books and instructionals that came out in that time that kind of spoke to how to put together a well, you know, a well-received home because, again, high society was very important for your home to be decorated in a way that would be received well by your um, by your community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a couple of those, I think, you know, kind of stand the test of time. Um, yeah. But let me describe for you guys what I'm talking about here in terms of this design. So, again, very much French Baroque-inspired, Victorian-inspired because... Um, uh, Americans and we even a little bit today revered very much Europe in terms of their design as what was forward thinking in terms of taste. Yeah. So a lot of what you're going you would see in these homes was very much again French inspired, Italian inspired, so on and so forth because that's what was considered you know trendy for the time. Mm-hmm. So rich fabrics, voluminous drapes, this really lush upholstery. Really detailed woodwork. Nothing's, you know, smooth and shiny. Everything's got a, a leaf yeah. kind of molded into Minimal it. Minimal flat flower. surfaces, yeah. And really inspiring sort of um, over-the-top ornate rugs as yeah. well. Lots of details and things like that. And all of that into a singular home sounds over the edge today. But there are a couple of things, again, that I think that we can apply um, to making your home just a little more characterful because I think... A lot of what we do in particular in our home, and I know it's just the current wave, is minimal, right? Yeah. Minimal, um, not a lot of detail. But there's some of this that I found to be really beautiful. So one of the ways that I think you can bring it into your home is by way of wallpaper. Okay. That's a simple, low-cost way to bring sort of gilded Victorian influence into your home that doesn't feel overwhelming. Some flair. Yeah. You could either wallpaper a accent wall or if you have like a bathroom that you want to wallpaper mm-hmm. that's low committal. Um, there's all sorts of ways that you can do it. But you're looking for wallpaper that, again, has these small ornate details. Like if far away you really can't tell too much is going on. But you, when you come up on it, there's like a bird and a flower yeah. and a bee. Like a random like, monkey swinging yeah, on Yeah, it's yeah, really like, whimsical. I love, I love wallpaper like that. Yeah, it's and fun. I love wallpapers like that in surprise areas. Yeah. Like, you know, when you first walk into a, the main area, you don't see anything. But if mm-hmm. you were to turn one corner mm-hmm. and there's like a coat mm-hmm. a coat closet and you open it and like, whoa, there's something cool there. I like I like those like hidden pockets of flair. Yeah. You know, it kind of reminds you of like when you have men's fashion and like the lining of a jacket is exactly. ornate. But you don't see it because the jacket's closed. But mm-hmm. when you open it, it's like, whoa, that's something's crazy going on down there. Yeah. yeah I, think I, that's I love that idea, like incorporating wallpaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a lot of flair. Yeah, it's very it's very fun and very personal, and I think that's an easy way to bring in the Gilded Age vibe. Another one, and this is more of a home structural thing, but crown molding, guys. Mm. Like One of the things that was really prominent in that design was woodwork throughout the walls of the home as well, obviously on banisters and stair railings and things like that, furniture, but also on the walls. So I know a lot of us do not have just big features of wood in our home anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
Crown molding is an easy way to add a nice detailed flair to all of your rooms um, and also baseboards as well. But particular crown molding on the top, you can do some really fun stuff. I actually have some in my office that came with the home. We did not choose it, but it's very ornate. It's yeah. very detailed and it makes that room feel really special. It has so much character. Mm-hmm. Adds so much character to the, to the space. Yeah, it's really nice. So I would recommend that as a low committal way to just add a little more detail to your home. Make yeah, special. some ornate. Uh, crown molding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should. I mean, here I'm gonna sign us up for something. <laughs> um, we should like show like that little a little pocket of that on the stories of like so people can see yeah. like the little crown molding because like, it's interesting because it's something I would never think to do. Yeah, I would. But either. it works so well. It does, and it's actually inspiring my overall design for that room. That crown molding is the reason why that room has taken me so long to really nail down because I want it to feel intricate and whimsical and I don't want to say vintage inspired. That's mm-hmm. not it. But I want it to be a little more personable. Yeah, yeah, a little more designed, designed. thoughtfully yeah. designed than the rest of the house. Right. More characterful. Exactly. And then the last thing, an easy way to bring the Gilded Age essence into your home is by way of your rugs, right? Mm. So back in the day, child, they were flying these rugs in from Europe. They were true Persian rugs. They were the size of some people's apartments, like massive, right? You don't have to go that far. Um, But rugs are an easy way to add character to your home that's low committal. Um, So we, in particular, bring a lot of character into our home by way of rugs. Yeah. I would say our bedroom has a rug in particular that is very almost vintage Victorian inspired. Mm-hmm. The one in my office as well is really Yeah, the one is, is really a beautiful well-knit. example of that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a woven beautiful rug and even on our first floor in our living room we have um more of a colorful sort of intricate yeah, my design. my office as well. Greg's office also has it. So we like to play around with that in rugs as well. And so I recommend that you do too. There's so many ways that you can really add that sort of ornate, almost vintage feeling by yeah. way of a rug. And the good thing about it is when you're done with it, you're done with it. You can sell the rug or buy a new one. Right. Um, it's not a huge commitment to your home. And it provides a good contrast to the trend of minimalism. Yeah. And it gives your home a lot more character. Because sometimes minimalistic place places, when it's when you go too far mm-hmm. with the minimal details, it just starts to feel very cold. Uh, mm-hmm. So having that little bit of uh, flair by way of the rugs is like a nice way to tie together elements. And I think we play with like a few aspects of design in our home, like we bring in the that kind of flair, but we also lean into the mid-century modern aesthetic, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which we'll get into later. But yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, thank y'all for listening to me, uh, Ted, talk about the Gilded Age. Mm. <laughs> if you have not watched it, though, that show actually is very, very good. Like, it's cute. And if you're a history buff, go on and get you a blanket and some snacks because you're going to be glued to the TV. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's the um the thing I love and oh, I uh, the actual thing thing that I love mm. is a place where you can source the wallpaper and some of these more ornate pieces I forgot to mention. Oh. So in terms of the wallpaper, I have sourced Spoonflower. Spoonflower. Uh, Spoonflower okay. is a smaller curator of wallpaper, but they have some really nice Victorian um French Baroque inspired designs that I think are really fun. I've seen 
um, the sort of styling that they do in bathrooms and things like that, closets. Like it's just super cute. So I recommend Spoonflower. And then if you're looking for more ornate rugs and things like that and just small little tidbits around the home that are, you know, more detailed and, and feel like the Victorian era, surprisingly mm-hmm. eno- enough, Anthropology Home has a lot of that stuff available. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Anthropology Home is really in their vintage bag. So if Ooh, you want just a, a little touch, yeah. mm-hmm, a little touch of that, Anthropology is the place to go. So um, of physical things, mm-hmm. <laughs> things you guys can action against. Anthropology for your knickknacks and spoon flour for your wallpaper. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, you know, I was watching that, your, 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 the Gilded Age stuff. And, yeah. And um, I stumbled upon this YouTube video. Which I love this series with that on Architectural Digest. Oh, nice! Where they have a uh, architect, uh, a really prominent one named Michael Weitzner, Ooh. Uh, give his uh, eye or his perspective on a lot of like New York architectural features. Oh, nice! And this one particular um, episode is where he breaks down. It's called "Architect Breaks Down the Designs of Four Iconic New York City Museums." Nice. And uh, he goes through the the aesthetic details of the Met, mm-hmm. the MoMA, mm. you know, most notably the Guggenheim, which yeah. has a very dramatic aesthetic. We love um, the Guggenheim. I can't remember who designed the Guggenheim. Um, Frank Lloyd Wright, maybe? I think Perhaps. it might be Frank Lloyd Wright. Okay. And, uh, you know, essentially that was essentially like a sculpture to himself, essentially, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the piece, mm-hmm. uh, because it was so ornately designed but not the most practical for being a gallery of art sure and uh a museum space yep um but then one that stood out to me was the frick museum the frick yeah i've never heard of the frick yeah they've been through they had a lot of names okay (laughs) now they're called the frick we'll know who knows what it'll be called next year (laughs) but they used to also be called the whitney arts museum but it's the wait the whitney isn't the whitney anymore there's another Whitney. There's a lot oh. of Whitney's. <laughs> this one is the one in the Upper East Side. Oh, okay. Um, which uh, this museum called this called the Frick now. Okay. It's on the Upper East Side on Madison Avenue. Mm-hmm. But the thing about this design, uh, this museum that stood out to me, in contrast with the Gilded Age, is that it was designed by Marcel Brewer, Ooh. who um, is a Bauhaus uh, designer. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he made his name primarily with furniture, mm-hmm. um, but he was, uh, you know, commissioned to do that museum. And it's, um, you know, it's this brutalistic design museum that has these, um, um, it's the sparse gray and it has these uh, like extended step outs, mm-hmm. like from the... It's kind of like an inverted steps where the building um, basically steps out as it goes up. Yep. And it creates this really dramatic effect. Sure. And it has only like six windows. Mm-hmm. And there, all these windows are cut in like perspective. Mm. So you never know if you're looking at them straight because they're just like at this weird trippy angle. Sure. Um, but uh, it has this moat design around the museum mm-hmm. that you walk way through and this, this awning that looks like a weapon. It's super gray, super dark, yeah, very minimal. Uh, like the polar opposite of some of those mansions you were mentioning from mm-hmm. the Gilded Age. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to uh, flag 
Bauhaus design because that was something that came out of the 1920s mm-hmm. uh, after the end of the Gilded Age. And it was this, this design school that took a modern view of all the arts. Mm-hmm. So any, any, any art form, architecture to painting to product design, you know, it, cre- it created one unified vision uh, for um, all these art forms. Mm-hmm. And um, basically the idea behind um, the uh, Bauhaus the, um, approach is it's heavily industrialized. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like you're mentioning the, the dawn of the industrialization age mm-hmm. sparked a lot of these this uh, aesthetic, this Victorian aesthetic. Yes. But as a result of that industrialization and the pursuit of design for manufacturing, mm-hmm. um, you had products that would lean into manufacturing, like mm-hmm. industrialized products. Okay. So, or industrialized art, industrialized furniture. Mm-hmm. And essentially, the designer was involved with the full process from mm-hmm. idea to um, design and all the way to the making of the actual thing. Wow. So they needed to know how things were going to be manufactured in order to design for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, form follows function. Mm-hmm. So in this time, you saw the, the Bauhaus aesthetic, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it was very minimal. Steel was very prominent. Little use of color. Like mm-hmm. it was only black, white, and the primary colors, red, yellow, and blue. Sure. So that was on that was the Bauhaus rules. Like mm-hmm. and you can see elements of that incorporated in, you know, IKEA, Scandinavian design. Mm-hmm. IKEA is very minimalistic, very, industrialized yep, product. Yep. Um and Mars you know, so you know, there were some really notable pieces of furniture and design and products that came out of this Bauhaus mm-hmm. design aesthetic that I wanted to flag as some of the things that I love. Nice. Uh, so people can incorporate into their homes. And um and I'll talk to how we've incorporated elements of that into our home as well. Love it. But there are some famous Bauhaus design pieces, one of which uh, came from Marcel Brewer, who designed at the Frick Museum, uh, mm-hmm. called the Wassili chair. Oh. Uh, it was designed in 1926. Mm-hmm. And he was inspired to make this tubular steel frame chair mm-hmm. uh, while riding his bicycle. So he looked at the handlebars and saw the formed tube steel. Mm-hmm. And he thought about bending it into furniture. Uh, so, That's so cool. You know, like the idea of an overstuffed. <laughs> yeah, like the idea of like an overstuffed chair. You know, the like those leather chairs that are big and like kind of like a lazy boy yeah, look. Yeah, yeah. Um, but imagine simplifying that to its purest form of just the outline mm-hmm. using tube, uh, tube steel mm-hmm. and canvas. Uh, so it's this iconic design motif that they still sell these chairs to this day and yeah. it, it's a beautiful piece um so that was marcel's brewer's contribution to like the interior design space mm-hmm. with furniture he designed this iconic chair uh another chair that came out of the Bauhaus world was um the barcelona chair this okay. is a super popular chair you i think everyone has had to have sat on one of these or something or have seen one of these <laughs> but it's like this uh um woven it looks woven this grid pattern chair could probably sit two or three people on it yeah you could squeeze three it's why uh two you could but mostly two people mm-hmm. and it's got like a checkerboard pattern on it um and primarily done with leather yep and then it's got this steel frame on it 
I think if people saw it, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that chair. Yeah, if you Googled <laughs> Barcelona chair, you know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are some, you know, like these uh, timeless designs, they're still selling them to this day. You can get an actual Barcelona chair from like Zuri Furniture mm-hmm. or, or Manhattan Home Design. Ooh. And they range from $700 to $1,100. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you don't want to commit to $700 on a chair, there's this interesting, I want to use the word dupe. I don't know if I'm, I'm allowed <laughs> to use that word. You can say dupe. Um, there's this interesting uh, uh, Barcelona chair inspired bench mm-hmm. on Amazon. For $130. And okay. it's essentially a, the the Barcelona chair without the back. There you go. It's a bench. Okay. So if you want to incorporate a level of Bauhaus into your home, um, check that 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 out on the, the uh, show notes. That's it's a, a thing one. I love, which is this Ottoman, this tufted Ottoman bench mm-hmm. inspired by uh, the Bauhaus aesthetic. Love. Um, so now with the Bauhaus Aesthetic, you know, it's just this the post-industrialization era. You know, it's the goal is to make to bridge design to the most amount of consumers. Mm-hmm. That was the whole idea, mm-hmm. you know, because luxury design of the Gilded Age were, you know, kind of exclusive, or mm-hmm. you know, and it it was hard to get into if you didn't have the the money. Yep. Um, but the Bauhaus mantra was to bring amazing design to the people mm-hmm. um but with this industrialization focus i think it created some soulless designs mm-hmm. um some cold looking things but i think with intentional choices you can like incorporate um these this cold design into your into your look into yeah. your home and it makes me think of this watch that i love it's called the the Junghans watch mm-hmm. Uh, designed by uh, a Bauhaus uh, designer mm-hmm. named Max Bill. Ah, uh, yes. It's this watch that looks super clinical. It looks like something you'd find in an old doctor's office with the very <laughs> thin dials. And, you know, Christmas is around the corner if you want to give someone a watch. Oh, that's a uh, good this idea. Is a, this is a great thing I love. I love that. Um, this uh, Junghans watch designed by Max Bill. Mm-hmm. I'll put a link to check that one out because that's a it's a great... Uh, design motif that has been copied so many times, the minimalistic mm-hmm. appearance. Sure. Um, but this is the OG. This is the original Bauhaus look that inspired all the the knockoffs that came after it. Mm-hmm. Um, so check that one out. That's uh, dope, for sure. That's a good choice. And then one of the uh, alums from Bauhaus was uh, Marianne Brandt. Okay. Uh, Brandt, that name Brandt, I think people might be aware of that name with regards to design. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, she's one of the many uh, popular women of Bauhaus mm-hmm. that have went off to create amazing, impactful designs. Mm. Um, so, you know, she, you know, was an artist and did interior design and product design. Okay. And one of uh, her most famous products was the uh, tea kettle. And uh, it was a the tea set. tea kettle. She designed a tea kettle, a tea oh, set. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that, you know, was super industrialized yeah now, in the 1920s like to see a tea set like this was like alien mm. you know it was very minimal features you can mm-hmm. imagine a tea set being very ornate yeah. uh porcelain and especially coming out of the gilded age yeah a lot of <laughs> ornamentation on it mm-hmm. but she designed this like bombshell of a product that just was like so contrarian mm. to that early 1900s um and it had like you could even see like the legs of it were just like cut pieces of steel. Sure. It was uh, 
you can see the industrialization mm -hmm. of sitting alongside design, mm -hmm. and it's like a beautiful marriage of that. Wow. Uh, even one of the uh, tea sets uh, went to auction in, in 2007 and mm -hmm. sold for a record-breaking $361,000. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, so check that one out, the Marianne Brandt uh, <laughs> tea set. Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to an, a piece in our home that reminds you of that, yeah. it's our fellow tea kettle, oh, which yes. is this <laughs> super angular, really cool. Like it's as I think it won design awards. It's like great. The fellow tea kettle mm -hmm. has this gooseneck stem mm -hmm. and it's really good for like pour overs mm -hmm. and teas. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's another thing that I love is that that uh, fellow tea tea kettle yeah. or kettle in general because you can yep. just put water in it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so uh, brutal. It looks so dope in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it complements uh, it. Just you just feel just that much fancier using it. Yeah, like, that's true. <laughs> you just you know it does elevate the experience. And I just love a well made product like something yeah. that just looks good mm -hmm. and it works. Yeah, <laughs> well, so. The, the amount of opportunities you get to incorporate a nicely designed thing in your mm -hmm, life, mm -hmm. just take it because that's what makes life that much more interesting. I agree. And I think everything that you shared is so interesting. And I think, you know, this idea of intentional design and, you know, in our world where everything is mass produced now, like, you know, going back to the Gilded Age, all that furniture was handmade, one of a kind type stuff. Yeah. Everything that we have now is largely mass produced and mm -hmm. everything looks the same, feels the same, which is fine. That's just where we are right now. But to your point, if you have an opportunity to have something that's like fun in yeah. the midst of the plainness of and it and all. The industrialization of it all. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think that could be, that's a really fun note. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to, you know, we talked on... The Gilded Age aesthetic. We talked on the Bauhaus aesthetic, which mm -hmm. was early 1920s. Yep. Um, and we always talk a lot about the mid-century modern, mm -hmm. which is like a continuation of the Bauhaus yeah. aesthetic, the yeah. Scandi Scandinavian minimalism. That's right. And, um, you know, the mid-century modern movement, um, you know, basically took that industrialization, uh, industrialization aesthetic, the design for manufacturing, yep. and like elevated and made it more luxury I agree. which is why it was very popular mm -hmm. in uh america because mm -hmm. america wanted to have a you know america has a bad history with like doing something for everyone right sure Con like for the people is not mm -hmm. really like an american mindset it's all about luxury and um mid-century modern would take those minimalistic manufacturing appearances and put like wood into it mm. so you will see in mid-century modern the use of woods because you know wood is more expensive and harder to form yep and that would elevate the product that much and it became a luxury good mm -hmm. so to tap into mid-century modern to incorporate that luxury into your home and then have some Bauhaus minimalistic industrialized things and throw in some thoughtfully curated gilded age aesthetic items yes, into your home you can create, I think, something that's really characterful and has is more interesting. Yeah. Um, I think all these design moments and these eras, even like Art Deco of like mm -hmm. of the 1920s as well. Sure. You can like play with all those as your tool set to create like dope moments in your mm -hmm. home. And I think mm -hmm. that's like the whole picture of like the things we love for this episode. It's yeah. like the passage of time, mm -hmm. how moments in history inspired products that reflected that moment in time and how you can have 
purposefully and intentionally design things in your home. Absolutely. That's a wonderful way to put it. That's exactly it. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, check out the things we love. Yeah, we'll um, have them linked as always. And hope that you guys explore it. You know, one of our, our core pillars <laughs> of this podcast is definitely all things home. And so it's fun to be able to look at history and, and incorporate that, like Greg said, a little bit into your, your everyday. Yes. It's kind of fun. Yeah, but I think that's all we got. So <laughs> that's all we we had a lot today, guys. We had to catch up. It's been a minute. Right. We got into a lot. We got into a lot. Ooh. There was a lot of talk. I mean, Beyonce happened, so we got to talk about that. That was half Apparently. the episode. Um, we fangirled over that, um, <laughs> and we had this dope uh, thing that we had to share about yeah. this here, this this the history. Yep. Absolutely. Um, but is there any call to action for the people? Is there anything we want the people to do? Oh my gosh! Well, obviously, we want you guys to look at the things we love and explore them. And if there's something that you like, there, you know, get into it. Um, but then, as always, you know, lovers and things, we are a family. We're a community, y'all. Like we go together real bad. So what I'm asking you to do is to share this episode with your friends and family. Don't be shy. Don't mm-hmm. keep. Don't make us your dirty little secret friend. Go on and share it with the family. Yeah. There's a couple ways that you can do that. You guys know we're available on Apple Podcasts, where there's a sharing feature. Spotify, just podcasts, we're we're available there as well. Um, and if you'd like to leave voice notes for us, yes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's actually a feature. Um, and for those of you who do that already, they keep us going. You guys are absolutely the best. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's your action. Your action is to share the love this week. Yes. Share the episode. Yeah, well, this was yet another episode of the Lovers of Things podcast. Yes, indeed. Keep loving the things. And loving your people. It's so, so important. Love y'all. Bye. Bye.